0: Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. Created for those committed to mastery and success. Coming to you from Manly, Australia, we break down the science and
1: philosophy of optimal performance so you can unleash your potential. Hey, welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. This is your host, Juro Taylor, and I've just come back from an incredible stag-do, box-do, bachelor's party, whatever you call it, a celebration of me moving into a, a new transition, uh, a new stage in my life. And it really was a wonderful celebration, and I feel just incredible gratitude pouring from my heart for all the, the, the friends that I have around the world, um, obviously for my fiance, Maria, and just for my life in general. So I invite you all to just Bring your own mind to whatever it is in life that you feel grateful for right now before we begin the show. And today, we have a doozy. I'm speaking to Benny Ferguson, the movement monk. Um, Benny's a friend of mine. He's based up in the Gold Coast. And after suffering a debilitating spinal injury um, back in the day, he obviously went through all the, the regular routes to try and heal himself. And then he decided to go on an inner journey of self-discovery and he immersed himself to many of the wisdom traditions um, of the East and many of the more modern Western but alternative movement traditions. And he healed himself. He went from barely being able to walk um, to having enough freedom and flexibility to kick himself in the head. Um, and his physical practice is just getting deeper and deeper and he's moved into a stage of his life where he's sharing his physical practice with other people and helping them get fantastic results in their life. So he's just uh, fully empowered to help people express themselves and to really help them deal with uh, physical pain or movement dysfunction, um, just any sort of dysfunction when it comes to uh, our physical body and god knows there's a lot of them out there with us all sitting in chairs too much and living in cubicles and working cubicles and all that sort of stuff so listening guys if you want to be inspired about how to become a master of your own body and learn how that can ripple out into your life um, in a most wonderful way well, guys enjoy the show i'm here with benny ferguson the movement monk hey benny Hola. How are you man? I'm oh, very good, mate. I'm very good. You always uh you always say hello in the, in the most international and culturally diverse <laughs> ways. What's that uh, all about?
0: <laughs> uh I just I've got this well a friend of ours um he's a bit of a renowned astrologer. His name's Kai and I really like his stuff. He kind of brings in astrology with his, you know, just his zany who he is and he started I've got a few friends who are in Hawaii and all that. And they're always Aloha and I really love the way that Aloha is, you know, hello and goodbye and a few friends who are Brazilian and all that. And I just like that saying
1: hello that way, you know. it's Right. Konnichiwa. Yeah. Yeah. I like it too. Like uh, (laughs) I was in Hawaii a couple of months ago and and, um, Aloha means so much more than hello. Oh, absolutely. It's it's such an epic word. Tied in with
0: all of their traditions.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I just learned another word, which I'm afraid I've forgotten. Oh, Yamagaru. Yamagaru is uh, the greeting of the um, indigenous people that would have lived around the Sydney area um, mm. or the Central Coast area, and Yamagaru means "I see you." I see. I see the spirit within you. I, I acknowledge. Yeah. I acknowledge you. Uh, and, uh, sort of
0: like Namaste and Namaskar in yeah. India.
1: Yeah, yeah, very much so, very much so, and uh, aloha's got some sort of meaning like that. I can't quite remember, but uh, can you remember the the actual definition of um, aloha? I remember
0: when I was learning with uh, a wonderful lady named Kumu Brenda, who's a, a wisdom holder and she's an elder. Uh, she talked a lot about with the ha being in um, with the breath and you know the way you use the breath and all of that sort of thing because a lot of the language is you know breaths Entwined in so many traditions. Yeah. And uh yeah that ha uh but I can't remember the exact. I'm sure I've got it written down somewhere. Yeah, it's
1: about far. the uh the Aloha spirit. It's um it's all about being part of all and and all being part of each other. It's it, it is a very sort of connecting, you know, higher level of consciousness way of saying, "Oh, good I mate, Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot more to it. Um, yeah, and we can get, you know,
0: you can get really uh, complacent, I think, with greetings. And, yeah. uh, you know, like, I, you know how sometimes like you walk past someone and you're like, hey, how you going, mate? And they've already answered the question, but they haven't really heard what you're saying. Well,
1: it's also it's- automatic, isn't it? Yeah. It's like you can literally script out how conversations might go unless you make a conscious choice to not be automatic.
0: Yeah. So I think at some level it's kind of me breaking that, you know, from the moment I greet someone, you know I'd say, hola, I'd say, aloha, you know, whatever theit you are, you know
1: yeah, 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 I like that so for every for everyone listening now, let's all vow when we next see someone, a friend or a stranger, to say hello in a way that is completely unconditioned and just arises in the moment. <laughs> We're all going to go around just hugging strangers now. Oh well, that's how
0: a lot of hypnotists induce their people. Have you heard about that? Like no. interrupting patterns. Okay. So when you when you like go to shake the hand, it's yeah. a pre-programmed pattern. Yeah. If you interrupt that, like sometimes they like slap them in the head, and uh. then you can insert a command at that point. Right. And they might go bang sleep. Yeah. And it can really speed hypnotic inductions, and that's my NLP days coming wow. through. But uh, that's really interesting. yeah. So. Maybe don't do that.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe don't do that unless you have the most beautiful intent. That's right, yeah. So, Benny, just um, help everybody understand um, yeah, the, the work that you do and, and how, how you sometimes choose to be identified. Yeah, okay. Well, at the moment,
0: um, the project that I'm focusing most of my energy on is um, called the Movement Monk Project. Some people refer to me as the Movement Monk. But really, at the end of the day, it's all about, um, in essence, and I've taken so many forms and it just keeps evolving, but it's just about bringing a more joy filled experience when we uh, interact with our bodies, you know, all the time, <laughs> you know, whether we're walking down the street or, you know, doing something cool with it that's more skillful, uh, like a handstand, which is in vogue at the moment. But, um, and that was inspired for me because I had a really bad spinal injury. Mm. And, um, no one could really help me at the level that I needed. It was sort of got to a point where I had to accept in the mainstream world that I would be in a degree of pain for a while.
1: What, what happened with your spine? Uh, well,
0: um, I, I started off as um, an athlete. I played volleyball for Australia as a junior and got into a lot of strength and conditioning type stuff. It was really, you know, the motto was higher, faster, better, you know, all of that sort of thing. And uh, then I took that into the uh, more fitness arena, became a personal trainer long, long ago mm-hmm. and got into strongman-type activities and lifting a lot of heavy things up. Really? Were you stuck Yeah, I used to. Well, now I don't know what I weigh. but um, Well, I do know what I weigh uh, but only on two scales which maybe I'll talk more about as we're chatting yeah. but, uh, <laughs> which is an interesting topic. But um, when... I maybe weighed a bit over 100 and I was not like overweight. Uh, so it's, there was more meat on my frame, but I just felt like crap, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I could yeah. I could lift a bunch of stuff. And so I just kept redefining, you know, what is that joyful experience when we're, when we're in our bodies? And I'm also very curious as to you know, what the human body is capable of, what it was meant for, you know, what's the natural state of being? Because these days... Uh, we're interacting with a very different environment, which is causing certain adaptations with the body and the mind. And uh, I love where the opportunities that that can present, but also um, I'm aware that it can present certain limitations as well.
1: We're back after a little bit of a sound problem, um, and I was just asking Benny, what what really happened uh, when you were struggling with your back? Um, you know, just paint us a picture of how that led to you exploring very alternative paradigms of healing yourself. Yeah, yeah.
0: I like that word, healing. Um, So I could say it started way back when I was seven, and maybe it did. (laughs) But um, I think a, a lot of the journey that I went down, even though I was using my body all the time, I was becoming quite disconnected from it because I was focused so much on performance for a long time in sports and, um, you know, even in my fitness it was always like measurable and always improving on these external metrics and all of that sort of stuff. But I was putting it through the body. So, for instance, you know, I might have been focused on how much I could deadlift at the time and when your best mate, you know, deadlifts a certain number (laughs) and your training partners, you want to keep up with that at some level to fit in and all that sort of thing. So you push yourself and the body might not be in the best alignment in that time and mm-hmm. I did that for, for a long time, you know, and just trained some really bad habits in my body and um, it added up over time. And there was like one day we had this tyre flip competition and it was this really big tyre and I woke up and... Looked at myself in the mirror, and my like my spine was kind of it was like that basically. <laughs> I had to take a double take, and I tried to put it back, you know, like just mentally, and it just wouldn't go back. And I, from lifting, you know, really heavy stuff and being able to perform pretty well by you know the idea that I had back then, and then from barely being able to walk, it humbled me a lot. Um, so I went to physios, chiros, osteos, even Reiki healers and all of that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But I realized that uh, the power is within us mm. to take responsibility for the way we take care of our bodies and all of the facets of our life. Yeah, so that was kind of the start of my journey and I just went off into a lot of different tangents until I learned to understand my body more so I could decode what was actually going on with my spine and as I got better at that, it saw, magically, <laughs> you know, there's no magic to it, but it started to realign, uh, I suppose, as I became more aligned with what was true for me. And, yeah, so that's, mm. you know, in a nutshell.
1: And over what period of time, like from being sort of really feeling disabled, feeling unable to, to really function optimally, to feeling uh, like your spine was operating how it's supposed to? Um, it was probably, I would say...
0: Maybe close to two years, and um, you know, even after it was aligned, there was a lot of fear. You know, because I, I did get back for a little stage, back into lifting heavier things and all of that sort of thing, and there was a lot of fear. You know, particularly when I put weight on my left foot, um, even just like going for a hike. If I went down a certain step on the path, it felt very vulnerable for quite a long time. Mm. So, um, so it was a long time. Uh, at a deeper level uh, Mm -hmm. that it took me to really feel confident when I moved around and yeah. Mm.
1: And on your journey, on this journey, did you uncover any psychosomatic mental patterns, conditionings that you feel had contributed to the way your back was? A lot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah, still, still always uncovering yeah. stuff. And, you know, I studied a lot of um, somatic bodywork type things like Feldenkrais and Alexander technique and uh, Traeger therapy and all of that sort of stuff. And uh, a lot of Eastern uh, practices from Taoism and Shaolin Qigong and Kung Fu and all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, where do I even start with that question? Um, there was. There was a lot of stuff, I suppose. Beneath it all, um, my body was in a bit of a state of fear um, with quite a number of things. If I look into it into like a, you know, that mind-body kind of link sort of thing. On the, on the surface, I just wanted to be strong, you know. I was beaten up as a kid uh, when I was about 14 and uh, that was a pretty traumatic experience. So at that point, I just wanted to, the big guy uh, and you know build my armor so to speak but that armor ended up being my own downfall (laughs) so it's pretty uh, heavy to
1: carry around
0: yeah yeah it is and so at the time you know that was my mode that was my vehicle of of feeling strong feeling safe all of these sorts of things and um, it ultimately created that but it was just too much for my body to bear it built up a lot of tension all that sort of thing so I need to learn to embrace a bit more of a dualistic idea of the body mm. and the mind and yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, you know, I guess let's go deeper onto that subject of psychosomatic um, and just perhaps you could educate the listener a bit more what we're talking about. So, you know, in, as far as I know in the East, it's, it's fairly uni- universally accepted that mind and body are connected and integrated and we're one system and therefore um, any ailment that manifests in a physical form in the body um, could well be traced to a psychological or a mental or an emotional wound or something that hasn't been processed correctly. Is, is yes. That, is that how you see it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, it can present itself you know, in so many ways that I Have seen within myself and my students that I I work with. Uh, You know, you might have had um, a car accident, for Mm. instance, and it's kind of like a good way to understand it is um, when I like the, you know, horses like uh, race horses and all Mm. that sort of thing. um, They even experience it as well. You know, they shudder
1: and they quiver, don't they?
0: yeah well that's and that's that's a different um well' it's the same but different, and we can talk okay. about that too. Uh, I love watching dogs do all that sort of thing um, I'll get onto that because I love tangents <laughs> but uh, you know so say for instance, um, a horse injures its shoulder mm. uh, some horses never recover from that even if the injury when they do all the scans and stuff um, everything is structurally sound they just can't turn left where the shoulder was again because that loads up an experience in the brain which might interpret danger, fear and all that sort of thing. And at the end of the day, when movement's concerned, then I found the body just in order to move freely into a certain place, it needs to feel safe. So anything that comes up, whether it's a mental um, conditioned pattern, an emotional framework um, or response uh, or even just a physiological um, pain and all of that sort of thing, anytime that pops up, well, then there's going to be an apprehension or maybe, you know, in our posture, it's often very reflected you know, mm-hmm. with my mm-hmm. spine, like I was really kind of you know, moving away from a painful experience. And that mm-hmm. was physical, but there was also mental and emotional stuff that I noticed mm-hmm. surfaced a lot. It's like when I started Qigong for the first time, I got really angry doing it. And uh, I was really befuddled. You know, why am I getting angry doing this thing that's supposed to be about peace and harmony and all of this? But it was a lot of these emotions that were stored in my body. I I, took me a while to realize it, but they were coming out. I was releasing them, Mm. and so you know, back to the horse thing. You know, like horses, uh, all sorts of different mammals, and lots of different animals. When they often go through these traumatic events, they like they shake it off and they let it out in the moment. you know for me i had a tendency to hold it in hold it in hold it in, mm. it in and so it built up and, and mm. now i do things very differently but um you know a lot of people don't always have this understanding of their natural instincts and so stuff can build up yeah
1: <laughs> that's right i mean i i talk about this quite a lot um the the, the accumulative effect of of conditioning right um, yeah. because you know that's what one has to contend with when one is walking his path of liberation mm. yes and what i see so much in, in in our in our culture is you know well we let's just speak in general generalities but like we have as a society, there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of anxiety and there seems to be a lot of back problems and knee problems and joint problems and arthritis and and all sorts of musculoskeletal problems as well as mu- all sorts of uh, mind-related problems as well. Yes. And there also seems to be a cultural norm for emotional repression, holding stuff in. You know, like, we're not exactly a culture that encourages... Boys to cry and and men to hug each other and let's just express ourselves freely and and all that sort of thing. Um, yes. So it seems to be seems to me quite obvious that there's a correlation there.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and particularly as you know, men in Australia. Uh, you know, I, I am one. Uh, you know, you are one. I am. And, I am a man in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's. It's just like we're an emerging culture. You know, we mm-hmm. don't. I think have. You know, if you go to Europe and stuff, and in certain parts, mm. it's more common for that sort of thing. That um, it'd be interesting to do a study on, you know, you know, body health and all of that sort of thing in these cultures, and yeah, yeah but it's yeah, definitely expression over repression. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. So talk to me, Benny, about some of the um, like help us help me understand how. Like what is Feldenkrais? Like I've I've heard the word. Um, can you tell me a little bit about the the, the background? Yeah. Um, well, it started
0: by and I don't know whether I hope I'm a good representative of uh, talking about it. And my, um, you know, I've dabbled in a lot of things to just start to understand a broader picture yeah. um, with the intention that I set out with my learning. Um, really, you know, beneath it all, in essence, my interpretation of it is it's it's looking at um, the habits of the body, you know, like, uh, why do we move in the way that we move the body? What sort of, when we do that movement, what sort of thing can that bring up, and all of that sort of thing? Um, what ways are we stuck in habitual modes of moving the body? You know, what is the source of the pain, and all of that sort of thing? And there's overlaps in, you know, Feldenkrais, Alexander technique, uh, and all of those somatic type um, modalities. Mm. And yeah, so just really identifying habits, uh, identifying where they're stuck, you know, in the context of the way that we're moving our bodies, the way we're using ourselves, not just in our physical training time, but Mm. in the other twenty-three hours of the day.
1: (laughs) Mm. So so what exactly is is the problem that we're that we're solving here? So so I understand we've just talked on some of the psychosomatic issues related to repression versus expression, yes. um, but on a more um, physical plane, you know, obviously, can you talk to me a little bit about what what your view is of how our culture is um, creating a, maybe a dysfunction, I don't know what word you'd use, um, around movement?
0: Yeah, uh, well, my observations and my own experiences with it is probably the biggest um, challenge is there's been over the years there's been an oversimplification of the way that we develop our bodies and uh, in particular you look at the way most people um, and not to judge but just in a general observation if I put peer into a, a gym these days there's a bunch of machines and that's getting better but they're lifting up you know they're lifting weights up and down and that's kind of it but the body is it's in my view, it's not honoring the complex nature that it is to be a human, that it is to have a body. You know, we're walking around on flat surfaces all the time. You take a day out in nature, you don't need to think about the gym. You know, you might have climbed, you might have walked on so many different terrains, and every step that you take in that environment, you learn to adapt in different ways. But these days, those adaptations aren't part of incidental life. So the body simplifies in the way it moves and, and then problems can arise as a result because we don't innately understand the complex nature how to move ourselves. And uh, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes full sense. So yeah. so basically we've got the way that our culture has simplified movement and training the body. Um, we've had like a lot of gyms that are doing linear type movements and um, and they're not sort of, it's a very one-dimensional view on, on movement, which is usually got to do with like either adding muscle or removing fat. That seems to be yeah. like the, the overall container of exercise in this country. Um, yeah, yeah. And you see it more in the West. And
0: I suppose, you know, where I've come in is I've just noticed that all around the world, like in general, when we look at ancient times, and that's not how the body was viewed. You look at the, like the inception of yoga, which is really about developing union you know, with the body, the mind, the spirit. And mm. as much as yoga has been a bit distorted over the years and a lot of these ancient practices have, mm-hmm. um, really that, that was the essence. It wasn't how good you looked in yoga pants. You know, it wasn't <laughs> about having six-packs ab, abs and all of that sort mm. of stuff. Mm. It, was, it was really about going through whatever thing you're going through to develop that deeper connection with yourself. And it just so happened that you got more flexible, and maybe your body looked healthy as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like, I, I feel like, I feel like the, 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 asana side of yoga, or the physical movement side of yoga, was, was really a, a, a complex form of breath training.
0: You know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> because the, the more challenging you make the pose, the harder it is to, 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 to be mindful of the breath. You know, and yeah. I'm sure that there was all a, an, o- an opening up of of energy lines and things like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's interesting, that observation. When I, I lived, I've spent half my life living in Asia and um, I lived in Hong Kong and I happened to be like, you know, a guy in a suit working in a skyscraper at the time. But uh, we used to walk past this guy who must have been in his 90s, you know, like old dude. And every single morning, he was just in this little corner. It wasn't even like a beautiful... It was a full-on urban spot. He had like a skyscraper towering over him. And he just had this little block of flatness. And he would just be doing the most beautiful um, Qigong, Tai Chi. Like, maybe it was like Falun Gong. I don't know what it was. And every now and then, he would, he would just have this sword. This crazy <laughs> sword. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just so beautiful to watch you know and I was just thinking I I, I had my bag packed to go to the gym where I was going to run on this artificial machine and and where I was going to go and lift up this thing that that made my bicep bulge like 10 times in a row and then I was going to do some leg things and squat and and all this sort of stuff and here was this guy who was just like dancing with life yeah and being like an absolute badass at the same time and yeah. uh it really, it really juxtaposed pretty, pretty sharply for me um, in that experience. So I've always been, I've always had a something in my heart that's been very drawn to the Eastern um, way of looking at movement.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think you're the same. I'm very similar. Yeah, yeah. I spent some time learning um, with a Shaolin monk, and uh, that was life changing. And it was very, you know, a lot of people ask me about it, and they're like, "Oh, you must be doing all this crazy acrobatic stuff." And you know, he taught me how to stand. Oh,
1: <laughs> oh. I'm so happy we're talking about this, and we're going to go deep into this, Benny, because uh, I've I've been like on the fence. I've been like having a sort of psychological battle with myself over the last couple of months because I I found this. I wanted to, I had a, an urge to learn more about Shaolin Kung Fu and Qigong. And um, I was I began like learning off this guy who trains in London. Um, he's called Yan Lei, um, Shifu yes. Yan Lei. And, um, and he runs this summer camp in, in the mountains in, in China. And I was like, maybe I can do this as part of my, you know, after I get married, I'll go to this 30 day thing and, and, and train with Shaolin monks. And then And then as these things do, it sort of left my consciousness and other things came up and it sort of became like a forgotten thing. And then last weekend on my Bucks do, um, I was sitting in the forest and that urge, that that something, that fire that rekindled within me to to learn from a Shaolin monk. So I'm pretty excited about talking about this with you (laughs) right now. So talk to me about what you learned.
0: Well, for me, it was... um... It was really about bringing things back to, and I think one thing it's good to discern is, you know, we're talking about the oversimplification of, you know, using our bodies and all that sort of thing. However, it's like, um, what's the saying is, you know, be simple but never simpler, you know, (laughs) or simplicity is the ultimate complexity. And Mm. a a lot of it, because, you know, his English wasn't overly strong, uh, it was fragmented and all that sort of thing. So the first thing, Was to help me still my mind, you know, like it was. I was always over there, you know, what's the next thing I'm going to learn? What's the next thing? Blah, 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 blah. And uh, it's just slow down, you know, be in the moment, come back to the breath, allow, you know, the mystery to unfold from these things. And it was. You know, because I like I really love um, all, all the forms like you were talking about with Qigong and all of that sort of thing. And Shaolin Qigong is quite renowned, and there's you know some wonderful stories. You know, of Bodhidharma going into the the temple and emerging nine years later, however many years, and you know bringing in, you know the eighth brocade and all of that sort of thing. And so I was I was really vested into all of that history, but um, it wasn't about that at all. You know, it was about bringing I suppose the temple inside of me and then allowing my movement to come from that and uh you know there were some hard things that we did you we did a lot of horse stance work and all that sort of thing did a lot of breathing uh i didn't and I, i really um probably got the most and i talk about it a lot publicly um from the practice of standing meditation which is it's just in essence standing there's a lot of complexities to it but and the The principle that he taught me was finding the movement amidst the stillness, and it took me quite a while to get it um, because at the beginning I was just trying to hold myself up there for you know up to an hour sometimes, and that I learned very quickly that doesn 't work <laughs> so seeing how the body was interconnected with my state of mind at the time, how that affected my breathing, how that affected the state of my the muscles, how that affected all of the things that really um, influenced the way that I was experiencing my body in the moment, and um, so that's probably for me that was probably the most powerful experience outside of um, the forms and all of that sort of thing. Which these days I, I like the forms, but it's not my favourite thing about it.
1: So, so, what what is really the the essence of how? a practice like qigong or tai chi, which is really slow moving, um, how is this, what is the function of, or or how does that translate into better health? Yeah, Uh, well, um, and I'm not, I
0: wouldn't say I'm the authority on qigong or tai chi, however, I have done quite a lot of work in distilling the essence of them, and what I've discovered uh, and experienced i suppose that's probably the most important place that i could talk from uh, is like qigong is really in the breath it it, some people talk about qi and you know opening up certain meridians and all that sort of thing and while that might happen and i have had you know certain experiences of pathways in my body you know feeling them open up and you know that's the essence and there's there's one thing that i found in that is each and every day we're in a relationship with gravity and gravity's placing forces yeah. upon our body. Breathing is the one living structure that comes in and out of our body all the time. It's the thing that moves us first. If we learn to allow the breath to fill the body, what I've learned is the whole body moves with every breath, you know, just at a pure physical form outside of the esoteric sides, which I do like as well. But... Um, If we can learn to relax appropriately amidst the forces of gravity, then the whole body becomes like a giant pump and if you look at um, anything in nature where where there's movement, there's life, whether it's a flowing river or anything like that and often a lot of the problems that happen with the body is where it's not flowing, where the breath can't go, where the body can't expand and release and Mm. so those things are very present in all of qigong and and it doesn't matter the way you move your arms you've got to get your breathing right first (laughs) Uh, and very similar to tai chi you know the essence for that is uh, and tai chi can be a very powerful form of martial arts as well at the end of that translates to grand ultimate fist you know and uh, (laughs) which i love
1: right
0: and um, not a lot of people you know understand that they're just sort of moving their arms around and all that but the, the biggest essence that I've learned from those practices is it's all about moving from your center. You know, some, in, some people talk about moving from the lower down to the end or anything like that. But, you know, your center is the one absolute thing that you take through your journey in life. And if we're not centered in any moment, then, yeah, it's sort of, it can be difficult to respond appropriately. And, uh, you know, maybe we're not centered in that conversation with a loved one and we react. Mm-hmm. And maybe we're not centered in that moment when we're dancing and we trip over mm-hmm. or step on our partner's toes or, mm-hmm. you know, anything like that. Um,
1: Are you reading my mind, Benny? <laughs> I've been going uh, in the last three weeks, me and my, my fiancé have been going to dance classes because I, I'm getting married in, in, in six weeks. And we just thought it would be nice to look relatively polished for our first dance and, and also it's just like we were both like oh this sounds like a fun thing to try and um, as someone who's you know never ever had any formal dance training you know I I just like hit the dance floor and do whatever <laughs> feels natural it was yeah. it was an awesome opportunity to to learn something from scratch um, yes. and to experience that process of learning and to feel like literally feel like the, the neural pathways begin to form and begin to feel like different sequences go together and translate image into, like, uh, like cognitive Experience. processes into, like, embodied processes, yeah. Yes. Um, and it's, it's, it's been, yeah, there's been a few toes stepped on, yeah. There's been a, there's been a few yelps, but, uh, <laughs> but overall, it's been a really, really, really fun process. Yeah,
0: yeah, and
1: I, and I think, you know, and when I say all of that, like, it's
0: not, I think the... The process to being centered—that's mm. where that's where the good stuff is, you know. To mm. so, you know, step—you got to step on a few toes, you got to break a few eggs before you know you make a nice cake and all that sort of stuff. And that's when you find your happy place. Mm, that's
1: right. <laughs> you know? and, that's right. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about your practice. So the um, I've been running. Um, a little community called the practice. And it was just something that flowed organically. And it was just me distancing myself from the notion that, um, I was going to fix anybody or lead anybody to some grand transformations. And I, and I felt that, that I wanted to empower people to really recenter themselves and to develop their own practice of self love, of awareness, of centering. And, um, and it was just a way to share my practice and allow other people to do so as well. So I've got this, this interest in in how people design their practice, um, mm. you know. And I'm talking about the daily the daily practice. Um, so could you shed some light on what your daily practice looks like? I mean, I know that every minute of every day is your practice, but yes. you know what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah. The the more intensive, intentional, direct. Yeah, and. Well, for me, it always starts these days um, with some form of meditative practice at the start and at the end of the day, whether I'm standing, sitting or laying to really see what I'm working with and what has been the result of the day. You know, it's um, I don't know whether <laughs> I'll reach enlightenment or anything like that. or it, it's not. That's not what it's about for me. It's kind of just looking at when I wake up today, what am I working with? you know what's this body got for me today what what is there to learn um what's this the lay of the land so to speak and i I clear things away as best as I can and start afresh you know as if it were a new day and uh, and I also um, end it that way as well so I can go into my sleep and fully rest <laughs> you know my one of my teacher from um, the more spiritual practices that I do um I was having a lot of trouble with when I'd wake up, I was quite low in energy and she said, you know, what are you doing? What's your practice before you sleep? And I didn't really have one at that stage. And so a lot of the you know dream spaces are where we often process thoughts and emotions and all that. So, so I was dealing with the whole day or maybe weeks or months and particularly when you're working with people, you're dealing with a lot of stuff coming into your system and um, if that's the way you are. So... Once I started that practice, it really, my sleep just, I actually needed less sleep and I was I was feeling better on less sleep. So, that was where that practice came in and so, yeah, what were you so going to say? you were say? having
1: too much sleep?
0: Yeah, I would probably say I, I was but um, not enough quality sleep. So, it was kind of, I I felt like I needed to lay down for a long time, you know, the whole eight hours sort of thing. Uh but I still wasn't feeling rested at the end of that. And, uh, yeah, so... Um,
1: so what did you change in your, apart from maybe shortening the, the length of time sleeping, did you change anything pre, pre-sleep in your practice?
0: Yeah so, yeah, so that's that's where the practice came in. So for me, you know, um, around about 10, 11 o'clock, um, for me it works quite well. And I used to need to go to bed much earlier. Uh, I'll, I'll stand for up to an hour and that's where I'm practicing you know it sounds funny for a lot of people but i'm practicing getting better at standing and uh, as that happens my body starts to relax i notice you know maybe i you know i was writing some articles throughout the day and i was sitting for longer than what i realized and that has some effect your body stores memories it's got a cellular memory of everything that we do it's designed to adapt so for me it's coming back to a more state of neutrality so then um yeah, I can be more adaptive uh, in the way that I operate. So there's kind of start and end meditative practices mm-hmm. throughout and which I would put in the category of movement in stillness. So I'm noticing all of the things that are moving around in my body whilst I'm pretty still on the outside. Yeah, Throughout the day, it's more stillness in movement type practices. So um, I, I always try and... Um, do my best to be in, uh, I call it alpha movement um, (laughs) without sounding too wanky or anything like that. You know, like the the people watching probably understand brain states of, you know, beta, alpha, theta, delta. Um, For me, my practice physically is about uh, unlearning more more than learning. So I'm looking to unlearn habits that are no longer serving me and all of that sort of thing. So I do my best to Um, have a breathing practice before that to get into more of an alpha state and then allow movement to come from that. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of intricacies. Um, Some days I like to be up in, you know, I have air-based practices. So I'm climbing trees, I'm climbing rocks, I'm you know, interacting with that environment. Other days I have ground-based practices. I'm crawling around on the ground, I'm doing like form work and stances and all of that sort of thing. Uh, Other days, uh, I just focus on particular skills. I might be working on the handstand or go down to the gymnastics facility nearby and do some acrobatics and all of that sort of thing. And all of the external stuff aside, it just teaches me more about this vessel that I have because I feel I've only touched the tip of the iceberg as to what I can really do on the outside but also how I can experience it on the inside. So you know, and uh, oh, there's. <laughs> I just realised this is beside me. Uh, and each day I beat myself. <laughs> Here we go.
1: Here we go. The truth's coming out. <laughs> yeah, this is this is the real practice. Yeah.
0: So um, this is one of the practices I learned from the Shaolin uh, lineage, uh, which is a, a self massage tool, and uh, you know, like animals shake and all of that sort of thing. When we create, you know, these beating type actions. It actually teaches the body to relax mm. and uh, there's a bunch of other things. It gets lymphatic fluid flowing and all of that sort of thing. So, yeah. yeah,
1: I've been yeah. watching videos of uh, the guy whacking his Yeah, stomach, like his abdomen. iron shirt conditioning. Iron and shirt, that's it.
0: Yeah, so wow. there's lots of different forms but at the end of the day, I look to not focus just what's going on on the outside but looking at all the intricacies um, of understanding all the body's physiological sy- uh, systems, you know, understanding that I have a nervous system and it's important to take care of it. So I can't just do all external practices because you, you wring out the sponge and you don't put any nourishment back in. So it always has to have that balance. Mm. Uh, yeah, so there's, there's yin and yang elements to my practice and um, it's explorative but also um, consistent as well. Sometimes I'm just, I'm just working on just moving like from the center, just working on these practices. And I, I might be doing that for a couple of hours just to get that in.
1: <laughs> what do you feel like about um, the idea of just moving your body in a way that feels nice um, versus feeling like I have to go to a class where a yoga teacher or a qigong instructor is going to teach me how to move my body in a certain way. Yeah, uh, that's it's a really
0: good question because um, it can. It's easy to fall into the trap of just doing what you like, and just doing what feels good. Where, and it's also easy to uh, be you know a glutton for punishment as well, and find the pleasure in the pain. Mm. It depends on you know. What your makeup is, but um, I, for me, I. There should always be an element of joy, you know. Like find even if it's not an, on the surface on the beginning, uh, fun for you or feel nice. Understand the bigger picture while you're doing it. Find the joy in it, you know. Understand what is. I would say probably to help someone define you know, when to do something that feels nice, when to go see a teacher and all that sort of thing is get clear on your intentions for doing it. You know, for me, when I work with my students, I get them to define their practice around three words that's always evolving and growing as they do. But so say, for instance, you go into that class and you're not clear on your own intentions, you'll be pulled by that instructor's intentions. For instance, say this yoga teacher's done... Just done their Ashtanga certification or whatever, they'll be loving that thing and that's God to them. And it's not to say that's a bad thing, but you'll be pulled into that if you don't, if you're not really clear on why you're there. Totally, totally. So for me, that's probably the most important thing. Once you get that, then you can discern, uh, you know, is this worth me going through this this challenge? That's not always pleasant. Mm. And then on the other side of that, you might notice that you have all these nice feelings and all of that sort of stuff. But don't just chase the good feeling. It's like, you know, to to be frank, masturbation feels great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's the quote. (laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't really get you anywhere. (laughs) Uh, No. (laughs) You know? It certainly doesn't.
0: But when it comes to making love to a woman, like that feels amazing as well. Uh, But it's not always easy. (laughs)
1: <laughs> not
0: Like, you know, to command, to earn the respect uh, and the love of a woman, to share that connection.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You've got to be present with yourself. That's not easy. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to, you've got to be, um, well, there's, yeah, you know, there's a billion things that you, mm. that help with that sort of thing. But so but, that sort of thing. Yeah. Does that make but sense?
1: There, it does make perfect sense. So yeah. I guess a couple of questions emerge from that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So sometimes, like I, I've had some exposure to martial arts and I've been practicing Qigong for, for a number of years and I've you know practiced yoga for a number of years as well. But sometimes, um, like last weekend, I was, I, I, I was on my Bucks do, my Stag do, and I actually chose to, to have a, a plant medicine ceremony um, in nature. And I was moving around in nature um, Having ingested some, some cactus juice with some with with mescaline in it, and which always makes me feel very connected with, with the forest, and and I often just walk walk deep into the forest and just find myself moving thoughtlessly, mm. and um, and you know I was actually like doing what I call surfing qigong, and I was <laughs> visualizing myself <laughs> surfing a wave and doing my bottom turns to top turns and just like you know really rhythmically moving and full hips pelvis spine rotations undulations all sorts of things and it just felt really really amazing (laughs) yeah now where does something like that fit into you know a, a, a practice of movement
0: yeah well so so that could be, you know, and I don't know what your intent was there, but maybe the intent was expression, you know, connectedness, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely you'll have that experience. What I would say, let's say someone, um, they've got uh, a certain habit of, not using the spine it's a very interesting topic we all have one uh, and they move in various different ways yeah. made of lots of different vertebrae and i've noticed that they store lots of stuff so mm-hmm. say for instance there was someone else uh, and they're going about you know that sort of movement you know the qigong surfing so to speak yeah. habitually they might be always moving away from that bit in their spine that doesn't feel good when it moves mm. because they just want to feel good in that moment. And so they'll honor that intent, but they may not be correcting the blockage, so to speak. Mm-hmm. If the intent is to rebalance that blockage, for instance, mm-hmm. once you're able to identify it, the process of going into that, it's not always pleasant. You have to under it's like in martial arts. It's only once you fully understand your opponent, and that's often yourself, <laughs> that you can defeat them.
1: <laughs> hmm
0: so, the the same sort of thing is, you know, whatever your intent is in your practice, whether it's a movement practice or a spiritual practice or anything like that, uh, if you can be clear on the intent, it'll give you the courage to go into it, you know, and not, but not too ferociously, but not also run away from it. So, mm. it's, mm. yeah.
1: I've often had the call, you know, and I, I have studied with various masters in the past and I think like one of the... um transformative movies of my childhood was was karate kid just to <laughs> see that dynamic between master and student that was yes. the, the the thing that really stood out for me um now what do you I, I think like we live in a different culture and you know it's we don't have this culture of oh the master the, the, is down is down the end of the road next to the rice paddies just go and see him after school um what do you feel like people can do to to, to to get the right sort of guidance that's right for them. Like how do they how do people know which way to turn, you know, like you instinct obviously it's intuition and instincts. But there's so much choice out there. Like people are getting bombarded with like you know, some and it just so happens, it, you know, sometimes it's just whatever message happens to be most pronounced or or what what pops up on Facebook most often. Like it's CrossFit, then it's F-45, and then everybody's doing yoga and oh my God, it's Pilates. And it's like, how, how do we know, like, what we should be doing?
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, uh, should's an interesting word. But um, I suppose probably first, you know, one of the things in my practice is discerning between need and greed. You know, uh, a lot of a lot of these things, um, we're drawn to, you know, what we can get, you know, like if I do CrossFit, then I'm going to be, you know, a high-performing, athlete or whatever if I do f-45 you know same I'm going to look good naked and all of that sort of thing but um a lot of those things don't from my experience they don't always fulfill us deep down you know that thing in our heart without being too wishy-washy about it but like you feel good about it when you go to sleep at night you know, (laughs) and there was a moment for me when I was doing a lot of intensity based stuff and I suppose it might have looked like CrossFit on the surface was, um, you know, I felt good when I was doing it, but I had no energy to like open a jar or massage my lover and because my grip was so bloody fried. Mm. So, um, you know, where, where do you start? Like you start with the place that you truly need, you know, Mm. um, and I think probably uh, the beautiful thing with working with uh, a master or a teacher or anything mm-hmm. like that, like um, that moment with Mr. Miyagi and Daniel's son, you know, when he's getting him to paint the fence mm-hmm. and, you know, wax on, wax off, and Daniel's getting really pissed off and frustrated. It's the whole hero's journey sort of thing. Uh, but the master is he's just very clear, you know, keep doing it. He get more and more angry. Eventually, you know, he fights him. And, and then all of a sudden he's blocking and all of that sort of thing and he, he has the moment. But he might not have gone down that path by himself. Mm-hmm. So often what I would say is if there are people that you're inspired by mm. that are walking a path that you would like to walk, mm. well, ask, ask them, you know, mm. like ask them for some help. You know, be humble enough to ask for help if you don't have mm. the answers <laughs> mm. yeah, and maybe you'll get that one exchange from that teacher. Maybe it's the perfect teacher, and you'll follow them in the journey for life, but mm. that action will lead to many other actions mm.
1: uh, so I think that's the no, I, love, I love that response benny that's that's awesome. Um, yeah, the humility, the courage to to and then the and then the proactivity, like the action. To, to yeah. ask, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a really f- fantastic answer. So, what sort of uh, results um, are some of your students uh, feeling in their life?
0: Yeah, I'm always surprised. It's um, pretty a guy, um, one of my students. I'm sure he won't mind me naming him. His name's Stephen. Uh, he came and saw me after I did a podcast with a friend of mine, Mason Taylor, who's also a friend of yours and yeah. uh, and a student of mine as well. And uh, when we first had started having the conversation, he just kept getting told at every turn he went was that the only solution for the pain that he was in was surgery. And so he said to me the other day, he said, you saved me from the knife. And uh, I'd never expected that he would say anything like that. It, so, you know, that's that's one sort of <laughs> experience yeah. that it's, like I, I love teaching people how to do things, cool stuff with their body. You know, like I've taught lots of people how to do things like handstands and the splits and, you know, how to be better at martial arts and all of that sort of thing. But, you know, the things, um, I'm just running through my Rolodex of testimonials. <laughs> it's, um, so there was a lady, Sandy, and I've mentioned her uh, many times before. You know, she uh, had chemo. Uh, and as a result of that um, her bone density was decreasing osteoporosis and all that sort of stuff was happening and um, you know when we first started working together she was very uh, rigid you know in the way that she could move and all that like she couldn't even uh, squat down and get a pot out of the sink you know Mm. so as this is grown she started to get that confidence that her body can do these things and she's in her 60s when we started working together uh, i'm pretty sure i apologize sandy if uh, you were in your 50s at the time anyway she was in her uh, later years in life mm. so so these little things and when i love working with people to help them realize the, the little things mm. uh, yesterday i had a half day retreat with a student of mine and she was getting really challenged with some things that we were doing we're working on uh, she's had hip pain and shoulder pain uh, for probably the best part of 10 years and we were doing a lot of work teaching her how to move her body in more spiraling patterns and at the time it was quite challenging. It was quite complex for her to get it and she was getting frustrated and um, I bumped into her today and she said, I've got it, like I can do it all, you know, because we we sat with it who worked through the frustrations and all of that sort of thing and then overnight motor patterns form and all of that sort of thing. And Mm. So, you know, I love all of that sort of stuff but I love the way it influences people in their whole life. You know, it helps them be a better parent. It helps them be more confident when they're standing in front of a room of people. You know, it helps them feel more uh, stable in their body so they can go out and be more adventurous. You know, they might Mm. take up surfing. They might take up a martial art. They might take up dancing Mm. you know they've got the keys to their body
1: mm. and this the, the feeling that i'm getting as you're explaining that is that this is one place where we can focus our attention that is going to have this ripple effect throughout all of our lives yes you know so if somebody out there is thinking right shall i learn something about my body and about movement or shall i sign up To whatever, learn guitar or whatever it is, whatever it might be, a cooking course or whatever. Well, just just bear in mind that this is something that does have that ripple-on effect across all realms, all dimensions of emotional, psychological, physical. It's it really does, doesn't it? Like this is uh, this is what we've got. This is all we've got.
0: You know, that's it. Yeah, this is like this is the vessel that we um, like. It's it's a giant satellite. That we take through life, and we determine, you know, based on our awareness and all of that sort of thing, like how we interpret the experience of life. And if someone asked me how would I like to do it, I'd, I would like there to be some joy, you know. I'd I'd hate to just experience life through five emotions, <laughs> you know. I I'm I'm looking to experience the like the mystery that the nuances that. I've never experienced before when I eat an apple or when I go walk down the street, when I give my friend a hug, Mm -hmm. you know, like those little things, you know. Mm -hmm. And the more I learn about my body, the more color, uh, you know, it seems very funny. The sun's kind of coming up around where I'm sitting and the colors, it's amazing. And there's this beautiful spider web and I don't know, it's just a greater sense of appreciation for life you know, outside of the house that we live in and outside of the money that we have in our bank account and that's all wonderful but, you know, making the most of what we got irrespective of external circumstances and uh, for me, movement's my vehicle to help people do that, mm. you know, yeah.
1: Awesome, Benny. So, just before we wrap up, what, how would you define... Performance and success in life like what, what you know there's obviously a, a, a very running narrative in our culture around success and performance and it's to do with muscles and six figure this six figure that and you know BMWs and shit like that yeah. um, but what, how do you, what, what's success to you
0: mm. well I think um, it's about um, being content in any endeavor that I uh, move. On the path towards. Um, but also being never never being satisfied. You know? So for yeah, for me, I feel successful when when I can maintain a state of contentment, but dissatisfaction. And that's that might sound weird because it's because I think for me, success is just, it's ongoing, it's evolutionary, it's always growing and it's always redefining itself. So I like to make sure that I'm present enough in myself so I can do the things that uh, create that experience of contentment but also give me the energy so that I've got more to keep going, you know. Mm. And uh, yeah, so it's, um, yeah, be content but never satisfied.
1: <laughs> Boom. Love it. Love it, Manny, Love it. Cool, man. Well, let's, uh, how can everybody uh, tune into the work that you're doing? Just give us some ideas of how, we, of how people can connect with you.
0: Yeah, so um, they can go to my website, which is movementmonk.xyz, not dot com.xyz, and uh, they can. I share a whole bunch of free resources, uh, just helping, helping people with challenges, and um, also just sharing things that I feel are important for people to know. You know, I like to give. I'm a serviceman. So they can go there and that's kind of my centralized hub for everything. Uh, They can go to my Facebook page or connect with me on my personal Facebook page, Benny Ferguson.
1: Um, Yeah, I'd just like to say uh, everybody out there, make sure that you sign up for Benny's um, whatever it is where you give your email address on his website, themovementmonk.xyz because you will get sent to your email some really awesome, powerful stuff to get you started on your movement journey. Like I was blown away. By the quality um, of the work, I'm making him blush here. But I was <laughs> blown away by the quality and also the you know the quantity of amazing ideas and resources. Uh, Benny really does give some quality stuff um, just for your email address, and that's like and, and then he just keeps on delivering. So yeah, just do it. Just um, just go on his website and just sign up. You won't regret it.
0: Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah. So. Um, and people in Australia, I'm touring around um, in the coming months teaching the tension release technique, which is a, one of the processes that I teach. So people can learn face-to-face Beautiful. with me if they would like to with this crazy dude. <laughs>
1: Beautiful. So you're touring the country and people can find out details on that on your website. Yep. Um, awesome, man. And you're going to be in Sydney. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to be having my wedding over in Bali. But, uh, How dare you. How dare I know, it's very rude of me. But um, I'm going to make sure that I tell everybody I know in Sydney to go check it out. And, Thanks, um, man. Yeah, really great to have you on the show, Benny.
0: It's an honor to be here, man. Thank
1: you. Awesome, brother. All right, catch Thank you soon. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show, guys. It was, it's always nice speaking to Benny. It's, it's always nice speaking to someone who really doesn't appear to have any sort of ego to speak of, um, someone who's just very open but humble someone who's obviously studied with, you know, and spent a lot of time dedicating himself to his craft, but there was just no trace of ego or front. Um, I found that very refreshing, um, very easy to talk to. Guys, um, I've been putting a lot more energy into uh, the YouTube channel. I've been putting all the podcasts on the YouTube channel, but I've also been recording other videos which aren't being released on the podcast. They're just sort of other sort of mini clips and episodes. I'm really trying to document a life in flow. Um, I've decided that for... The best way for me to serve is 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 through authentic expression of my life experience. So that's what I've built. That's what I'm building this YouTube channel for. Um, so I'll put a link um, that you can find. Otherwise, just go onto YouTube and look for F- uh, Flow State Real TV um, or Flow State Collective, and I'm sure you'll be taken to that place. Um, and I'd love to hear from you. If You've got any questions? If you've got any ideas for me, if there's anybody you want to hear from. I'm really receptive to hearing from the growing community and you can email me on giro at com. I hope you have a wonderful week and until next time, see ya. Thanks for listening to the Flow State
0: Performance Podcast. Check us out at www.flowstateperformance.com for more inspiration to unleash your potential.